Once again, welcome back to another episode of the Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. Our guest today is Andrew Hahn. Andrew is the Central Agency Analytics Manager at Saatchi & Saatchi, which is based in Torrance, California. Andrew is actually our second guest from Saatchi & Saatchi. So this episode will give you another look into how one of the most recognizable agencies in advertising is run and structured internally. We discuss a bunch of stuff in this conversation, and Andrew offers some great advice from his experience at different agencies over the years. This interview turned out really good, so here it is. Enjoy. Today, I'm sitting with Andrew Huynh. He's a Central Agency Analytics Manager at Sachi & Sachi in their Torrance office. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. I know you're on your vacation from work, and yet you're still somewhat working, so thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... So let's, I want to just get started with, I'll give the, the listeners a little backstory. So I'm, I'm a member of a group called PRSSA, um, Public Relations Society of America. And in PRSSA, we do um, agency tours around LA. Basically, we meet like on Fridays and we'll travel around to different agencies in the area. Um, Saatchi and Saatchi was one of the agencies that we went to this semester. Um, during the agency tours, the, usually meet with someone in HR and they give you a tour and kind of show you the company culture. They'll, um, you meet a lot of people who work there. You get a chance to really see how it works. And at the end of these um, agency tours, you usually do like a Q&A session. Um, the Q&A session is with an employee of whatever agency you're at. And Andrew happened to be one of the employees who did a Q&A session um, during my tour of Saatchi and Saatchi, where I got a chance to hear his story, which was really cool. Um, I knew then that um, I would want to feature him as one of the guests on the podcast. I reached out to him on LinkedIn a few months later, and we agreed to meet, and here we are today. Yeah, yeah. I've never done a podcast, so <laughs> I apologize if what I say sounds really stupid. You know what I mean? Like, you'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay, so I mean, I want let's just let's get um, right into it. What what's how did you discover advertising? Ooh, actually, um, let's not even start there. Okay. Um, what, let's. So your your job as a central agency analytics manager, what is what exactly is that? Can you explain? Yeah, so um, that's a weird it's a weird name. Um, it's one that's invented at at Saatchi, and uh, basically analytics is um, you know a department that is focused on just evaluating the uh, performance and ROI of something. Right, um, you, you can have analytics for you know, the website and it'll be focused on um, improving engagement. You can have analytics for um, media, which it, I don't know if people, it took me a while to realize, but when, uh, when in advertising, if you're talking about media, it's really about uh, teams spending clients' marketing budget on um, getting inventory or like placements, mm -hmm. so actual ad space. Um, and obviously clients want to know how well you spend their money and that you, you know, you used it wisely. Mm -hmm. Um, so there'll be analytics teams that, uh, you know, try to show how performance went for that amount of money spent or for that campaign or et cetera, in terms of that ad space, um, which partners you work with, et cetera. Um, so analytics is kind of like an umbrella term. Okay. Um, and most advertising agencies, um, the analytics team is pretty standard and really, really focused on media. Um, but uh, the central agency analytics team is a 
arm of the strategic planning department, and it sounds weird, but uh, basically what I do is considered creative analytics, which um, that means to be honest, like I don't really have, I've been to, this is my first full service agency experience, so I'm not sure if there are specific teams like this at other agencies, but um, what I'm doing here seems to be pretty unique to me at least um, in my probably like six years of, of working within analytics. Um, and it's really about, how do I say this? It's really about figuring out, you know, the best way to, uh, with numbers, I guess, I guess it, it's really hard to explain. Yeah. Let me take a, let me take a step back. So okay. if Toyota gives um, if Toyota gives Sachi you know five million dollars to uh, make a Super Bowl commercial, and you know it they they make it and they they get it out there and somebody asks, how do I know that you spent this money wisely? Mm -hmm. That's where my team would come in, and right. um, it's really about finding. Uh, setting up all kinds of different reporting sources that we can get um, in order to uh, basically show them that, you know, this performed well against, uh, you know, whatever benchmarks that they have or whatever his things they've historically done. And then hopefully out of that, finding areas that we need to improve for a specific campaign that can be generalized to, like, working for creative in general. Got it. So you guys basically... so. Do you only um, work with campaigns that, are, that have launched and have results? Or do you come in prior to the campaign launching with any statistics, um, with any analytics? I'm got sorry. it. So the, um, we are part of the, I mean, we're part of the objective setting process. So that's kind of like where we come in. So they'll, I mean, um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use this analogy. I, you've heard this already. But um, what I like to tell people is like when my family asks me what I do or, or somebody random asks me, you know, what does it mean to work in like the CAA team at Saatchi, um, I talk about like the, the Yelp analogy where it's basically if you go to a, um, a restaurant and you really want to uh, write a Yelp review of it, you, you know, you think about the service you got, um, the time it took you to get there, um, you know, your experience with obviously how the food tastes, um, the decor, uh, the parking situation was valet expensive, yeah. you know, all these, all these m micro things. Yeah. Um, and you really think about all those things and you kind of intuitively just boil it down to a single number between one and five. Right. And then mm -hmm. that's your number. And then you, you know, I mean, you explain it and all else, but, um, that's what we basically do for Toyota and their campaigns. Like I look at all of their reporting, um, including working with the media analytics team. I talk to the creative team, the strategy team. Um, I get all the information that I can. And as if it were my money being spent, as if it were my campaign, um, I, you know, I consider all those things and then I tell Toyota, this is how you should feel about your campaigns. This is how you should feel about how it performed. Got it. And um, the, it, it ends up being creative focused because um, the clients that we end up reporting to are typically the ones that, are uh, you know tasked with making decisions about like what creative ideas they want to run, which ones they don't. Like usually, Sachi will come up to them with like you know three, uh, you know three specific options they can go for. Um, they'll help develop it. They'll weigh in on the whole process, and um, 
that's the kind of information, you know, that they want to know about come campaign end. Like they, I mean, it'll be good if, you know, the media part of it performs well, like, you know, all the partners that you worked with yeah. were good at driving traffic and all that stuff, but they, mm -hmm. they don't care about that as much because they don't decide those things. Those are for like the media clients, right? They care about like, did we, uh, did we focus, did we not focus on the vehicle enough? And what does it mean to properly focus on the vehicle, right? Like, you, mm -hmm. um, a lot of clients tend to think that like, you just need to have the vehicle in there more or you need more bad shots or, or, or something like that. And that'll be like um, how they, you know, might want to move a commercial in. Um, whereas like, do we care more about the story? Like, was it, was, it, was it the idea that sucked? Was it certain parts of it that needed improvement? And that's um, when I report on a campaign, like, Basically, I look at all the non-creative factors to, um, to make sure those things aren't influencing what's creative, what's a creative um, phenomenon. Does that make sense? It does, it does. Yeah. So once I account for those things, then I can take a look at like um, how this, like if we're talking about a TV commercial, right? I can, I can make sure that like, you know... Um, this uh, this TV commercial, like the performance we recorded for it through a survey. By the way, like our most of our um, information comes in through like research surveys that are conducted by third party uh, third party um, companies for mm -hmm. us. Um, and Toyota has them, you know, going back for like I think at least like ten years. So we're able to compare, you know, specific things, uh, specific measures that I'll, I'll get into in a little bit. But specific measures for each campaign on and on. Um, and once I know that, like, uh, once I know that, you know, the reason why we're seeing lower, like, ad recall, for instance, for um, a specific commercial isn't related to you running your spot on, you know, NFL versus you running it on the Weather Channel. Got you know it. what I mean? Like, yeah. what, something like that. Like, that'll, um, those kinds of things really make a difference. Um, usually media factors are like the biggest thing, but um, I'll tend to look at everything that I can just to make sure that those things don't interfere with what I'm trying to get to in terms of creative. And that'll be, um, you know, the, the output of my work is basically a report three times during the campaign, mm -hmm. usually like two or three months apart, um, PowerPoint presentations, and I will... Um, you know, tell them about how everything did and then I'll make recommendations and stuff like that. So pretty straightforward. Um, does that make sense? It does. I think it makes I, perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how it ends up being like creative focused. And uh -huh. as a result of that, like just doing it for campaign over campaign, we kind of have like best practices on like, you know, what, what makes a, what part of a TV commercial will, you know, hopefully result in a good campaign or not. And okay. I mean, to be honest, it's not like a, it's not a create like crazy quantitative exercise. A lot of it has to do with like you marrying your intuition about something with evidence that you can find that supports it, and um, it's really a lot of thinking involved that um, gets you down to like uh, you know your goal is to try to have a realistic explanation of what's happening here okay. and try to represent that. Got it. Um, so I try my best to like you know, I try my best to make sure that, you know, what I'm looking at is uh, what I truly believe in and uh, what I believe is actually happening. Like, mm -hmm. I 
have to be like super skeptical about things that I see always like just making sure that like there's anything else here that will let me say like oh this campaign did great because the creative is great like yeah. our whole agency is great like mm-hmm. the team everything worked right mm-hmm. um, if uh, if I have a campaign that I think we did like a RAV4 campaign once where um, the the spot was really 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 basic it was just running footage of the vehicle um, it didn't there was nothing interesting about it there was nothing that should have made it perform really well and all of our um, ad diagnostics for it like ad recall brand linkage um, those sorts of things didn't do well but the uh, campaign measures for um, RAV4 opinion and consideration and those things were were up and you know uh, I got a lot of internal um, requests to to kind of like really sell that yeah. but we realized that like if you look at like the segment for you know small SUVs including like competitors everybody is moving up yeah. it's because everybody wants SUVs right now yeah. because every because gas is cheap because SUVs are cool now like the you know that's kind of like where the market's going people are moving away from sedans to SUVs so I can't say that we did this really great campaign if I know that like there's this other factor that 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 is at play yeah, here. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So when I reported it, it was like, your campaign did really well, but a lot of it came from these things that were, you know, not really within our control. There's a lot of things that we could have improved on. Okay. You know what I mean? So being really honest and nuanced and, um, you know, trying to be as accurate as you can about what you're seeing is how you get, you know, trust in, in what what your work is you know what i mean if you if you just sell all the time like clients are just going to think that you know you're that's your prerogative yeah. you know they don't they no longer believe the things that you say necessarily Got you know okay. so um, um that's what that's what it that's what it is basically okay. cool. um i know you mentioned that um you you're, you think that this is a um this, the agency analytics team is something like specific to sachi and sachi um how how big is your team and and what are the roles on that team yeah. Um, right now, it's uh, me, a manager, a senior manager, and then um, my director, and then my group director. So really, it's only four people. It's only four people. So we're really small. Um, but again, we're we're part of the strategy team. Okay. We did have a few people that um, you know uh, under us that recently left to you know pursue other things so i think we're hiring for like two more people but um since i've joined it's always been like a four to six person team um and that's that's really because we uh we operate on what's what they call like the hub and spokes model so um again like i i do reporting right but i also work with whatever I do whatever it takes to make sure that I'm set up to do that reporting mm. properly okay. right so that involves working with the ad ops team to make sure that you know the way that they uh, and I apologize if this is like really too um, too technical because I, I don't think we really have the time to like explain all this stuff like an ad ops team will traffic um, you know creative and, and, and media placements to, to run right and they need to get a specific um, naming convention down so that when I pull data from uh, the reporting, um, you know, the third party at like, like DoubleClick, for instance, um, 
all of that information will be clean and consistent so that I could actually know what I'm looking at necessarily. So that'll be part of it. Um, I said before, I'll be part of like the objective setting discussion. Like I'll, I'll have like meetings with clients and the strategy team about like, okay, like what is this campaign supposed to achieve? Um, what kind of wording do we want to, uh, to put within surveys to, to capture that, that purpose? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, or I'll work with, um, even things like getting the specific assets to the survey company so that they can test those things within their survey. Um, I'll work with the like the media analytics team because they have a whole set of different clients that are focused on media. But mm -hmm. again, like I need to know how media did. So I work with them on that kind of stuff so that I can like end up putting out what I put out. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I'll work with, uh, again, like whatever it takes to get my deliverable set up is, is also part of my job, you know, um, working with uh, Toyota's um, other departments, um, making sure that, uh, like, for instance, I've worked with um, the website team to uh, see if there's something going on within the website traffic that could explain, like, what I'm, I'm seeing in, 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 uh, in my set of data. Does okay. that make sense? So yeah, uh, we are a small team, but technically it's because we're kind of like a part of a in, we're in the center of like a lot of other different things. Got it. Yeah. Got so it. what we do doesn't take a lot of people necessarily. Okay. Um, so what's the typical work day like for you? Is is it is it um, kind of routine or is it just different every day? Um, okay. I uh, I think my answer here is um, is really just specific to me, mm -hmm. but um, I. I'm, I think our team is always in kind of a state of drowning. It's like, you know, like we're always like, there's always a little bit too much work to do. So usually when I come in, um, it's just constantly prioritizing what's coming up soonest or mm -hmm. what's most important, like something that needs to be set up in order for something else to be reported on later. For instance, like um, I know like clients, uh, we, we have a new RAV4 campaign right now because the, there's a new RAV4 this year. And, um, you know, clients are talking about the hybrid and they, they want to introduce some more hybrid work. So we're pulling, um, I think they're thinking about pulling some work from digital videos onto um, broadcast, but they don't know how it's going to do. So they need to know how those um, hybrid videos are, uh, how they're doing on digital. But uh, at the beginning of the campaign, I didn't have those assets necessarily. So um, I didn't get them sent to the, com the survey company. Mm. So within two weeks, I had to kind of like ask them to, quickly get these into survey, um, tested among um, people getting responses and really heavying up on those specific uh, videos so that I can tell Toyota later, um, this is how it's doing. You're good to go for your next broadcast flight. Okay. For instance, like that, a lot of that um, tends to happen. So um, lots of prioritization. I mean, um, in terms of like a typical workday, I'm happy to say like, this is the one thing I really like about advertising, especially Saatchi too. It's like, um, I've been working in advertising long enough and I'm at a position where, um, I mean, I've been a Saatchi enough and I worked in advertising long enough to be considered like an advertising professional. My team trusts me to handle what I need to take care of. So things like when I come in, when I leave, how much hours I'm spending, etc., they're not a thing. Um, I have a very flexible schedule. So typically, I mean, I, I recently got, um, I have dogs now. I recently got dogs in the last six months. So um, before I was coming in at like 
10 a.m. and probably like leaving at six five or six but then again like i would be like working like through the night too depending on like what needs to get done um working now from home. yeah working from i work from home a lot um nowadays like i maybe i'll wake up at like nine check email um handle you know what i need to do with the pets and then come in at around like 11 to eleven thirty. or if i need to you know work from home in the morning because i'm expecting a delivery or something like it i mean it's all easy because like i can just get on my laptop and do it so um, but I'll get in, um, check my emails. Um, usually, like, what I have to do that day is something that I had to do the day before. So I'll just, like, get started on that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I'll uh, make sure that anything – if there's something urgent due that day, I'll just get straight to work on that. Um, if I don't have anything to do that, do that day and I just need to, like, focus on, um, you know, getting set up for later – I'll probably do a little bit of that, but then um, after I check an email, I will go and uh, I'll take a lap around my floor and talk to the account team. I'll talk to um, the strategy team, where I see, I mean, like half of it is me just like, you know, sh you know, shooting the shit with them. But then like the other half of it will be um, me telling them about, you know, specific um, things that are going on or like um, news that like I've, I've heard about from Toyota with with respect to like the things that I'm working with them on, mm -hmm. um, just to be in the know, um, so that, uh, I can be prepared for anything that like might be coming my way. And that's really, uh, I'm realizing now that I say that it's really, really vague. Um, it's hard to come up with like specific examples, yeah. but I guess what I mean is like, let's say I go talk to the account team and, um, you know, Toyota clients have, uh, have changed. They've moved some of their clients around. So the client that, um, you know, likes their reporting a certain way, asks a certain amount of questions, or likes a certain level of complexity or simplicity to what I'm telling them has changed and now it's a different client. Mm. I need to know how that person is, what they prefer to, to um, you know, how they prefer to receive information so that when I present a report to them, it's catered to how they, um, it's catered to what will make that conversation go as smoothly as possible. Got it. So that's the kind of thing, and that, that's not something that, like, the account team will just shoo me in an email, you know what I mean? Like, it's something that I just, it comes up in passing. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I go and talk to, like, um, you know, like, the creative teams, like, they might tell me about, like, you know, a specific thing that they're working on or, or a problem that, uh, what I think about, you know, something that they're working on, and I might, like, you know, pull up an example of, you know, other campaigns that, uh, you know, previous insights that I've, I've gathered. So um, a good amount of my day involves just, you know, just being friends with people pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and, and it doesn't have to be people that I'm working with either. I mean, like, I, I really like to talk to the people in the mailroom because I buy a lot of things and they get a lot of my packages. So mm -hmm. they see me a lot. Um, I talk to like the, the front desk person a lot, like we're cool. And um, it's a form of procrastination. Like, let's just be honest. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just me procrastinating, yeah. really, um, before I actually get down to do this thing that I kind of need to do, but not right away. No, I mean, it makes you know? sense. If you're, if you're somewhere every day and you see the same people every day, you have to kind of, um, I don't, I don't want to say psych yourself up, but just create a, a level of, of comfortability, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I'm yeah, really excited. Sense. Yeah, and that's, it, it makes it really easy. Um, and then um, once I do that for like, half an hour, like I'll sit back down and, um, you know, get started. And it's really just, um, again, it's either housekeeping stuff needing to 
communicate with people, um, set things up for reporting, or it's doing analysis. Yeah. If I'm working on a report, it's pulling data, it's cleaning data, it's thinking about it, it's writing presentations, it's asking people about questions that I have regarding things that I found. So for instance, like um, if I uh, if I see this uh, commercial that I don't understand, like I kind of need to talk to the strategy team because I'll be like, what was the point of this thing that yeah. we did? Like, what were we trying to get out of it mm. so that I know what to look for? You know what I mean? And, and did it achieve that thing or not? Got it. You know, or um, if it's, uh, if it's, if there's some data that I'm seeing that doesn't make any sense to me, um, then I might need to, so let's say I'm looking at like uh, media data, for instance, right? I'm looking at like how, um, how much, what the traffic rate is for, you know, digital uh, mobile banners versus you know, desktop banners, for instance, and they're, um, they're not, they don't look like the way that I'm used to seeing them. So I'll, I might need to talk to like the media team downstairs about like what's different about this thing, what partners they're working with for this time. So a lot of it is, um, a lot of what I do is getting context because without context, like what I'm looking at in terms of data makes, means nothing to me. I have to get a lot of context from, uh, the people that worked on those things in order for me to properly decide like, is what I'm seeing a good thing, a bad thing, a helpful thing? Is it something that should be improved on? You okay. know what I mean? Like that, like that is, that's yeah. a really big part of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you have a long history just in, in analytics was from yeah. what I understand. Yeah. Um, but I know you, you studied um, physiology in, yeah. in college. Yep, yep. So what was, how did you get into the position you are from your studies? Like what was that, that transition like? Um... I mean, I will say it, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, this is, this is a really good, I think, lesson for, um, I think people in, in general. I mean, if you're, you're in my position or if you're in college or something like that. Um, when I was younger, I, uh, I was pretty good at school. I, it was easy for me to study and learn, but I didn't really... I found it like as kind of like a chore. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, it's typical like Asian kid story, right? Like your parents want you to get good grades. You got to get good grades so then you can go play games and, and hang out with your friends and, and stuff like that. So yeah. I did that. And um, same thing with like career-wise, like, you know, uh, I studied physiology because my parents wanted me to be a doctor. And I like, well, they didn't say I had to be a doctor, but they were like, they clearly like, it's a successful career and you can also do computer science like the rest of us. And I was like, in my head, I mean, I was young and like, you can't really know what it's like till you're older, what mm -hmm. it's like to actually work at a company. But when I was young, I was like, I don't want to sit at my desk all day. Yeah. I don't want to do computer stuff. That's like, it, it seems late, you know what I mean? So I'll be a, I'll be a doctor and I, mm -hmm. um, doctors make a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I don't want to be a lawyer. That seems weird. Or not weird, but like, it seems it's like, too stressful, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of just, I forgot at what point, but I just decided I was going to be a doctor. I didn't think about whether I wanted to be a doctor, whether I, whether I'd be happy being a doctor. Whether, it just seemed like the right know, thing. It just seemed like, oh, you know, it, it, just like all the other stuff, like, yeah, get, get your A's. You know what I mean? Like yeah. get, do your homework. It just, it was just another thing to do. Um, but it's not that, you know what I mean? Like a career is like so much more important. So, um, this is really embarrassing, but I went through high school and probably like half of college just, you know, thinking like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. 
And even, even me, I went to UCLA, um, but I, at some point, like, I mean, I think when I was younger, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go to UCLA. They have a good uh, pre-med program there. Oh, I'm going to look on, um, you know, college board. Oh, it says UCLA is good. All right, let's go to UCLA. Oh, also UCLA is like pretty prestigious. Cool. Like, that's it. I didn't even really think about it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I just, um, and it's really, I really hate that because I, I don't really know what I was really more focused on when I was that, I was like interested in girls. I was like, just, I wanted to, um, I wanted to be cool. Like I just, uh, a bunch of stuff that is like completely not important. Yeah. Um, whereas like, uh, nowadays, like I know like kids are actually like thinking about like what they want to do for life and whether, you know, the school they go to has the curriculum for that, whether it has like, you know, whether that environment will be good for them, whether they'll get what they need out of it. Whereas like for me, like I kind of just, um, kind of just went into it and then, uh, yeah, about my, what I did do otherwise was, shit, let me fix this real quick. Um, when I was in school, um, so going back to it, like part of me is always doing an obligation and then taking care of that and then like doing this other thing that I like, mm -hmm. right? And uh, when I was in school, I mean, I, I wanted just like some extra money. So I worked at um, the newspaper because uh, I would design like Photoshop or Illustrator ads for local businesses um, for them to you know, obviously keep the paper running. Um, and that was kind of like where, uh, that was the earliest thing that I kind of did in advertising. What, what newspaper was it? Uh, it's called the Daily Bruin. It's oh, like, so the, on it's campus. like, yeah, it's an like okay. on-campus, um, newspaper and I was mostly just designing ads and, um, you know, doing stuff like, uh, formatting like the classifieds pages, like that information would come in from the sales team and then like, um, I'd have to make it all fit and look pretty on, you know, um, on pages. Cool. And then like at night we would be sending them off to the printers for you know them to print and have in the morning, um, stuff like that, and uh, that was kind of like my first experience, and it's just it, I just decided to do that because I wanted to work with Photoshop and Illustrator, um, but you know I, I you know I probably if I was really interested in design when I was in high school I probably should have went tried to get into the design media arts program, but yeah. for some reason that sort of thing. Uh, I always thought about like life and career and stuff like that. It's like the thing you got to do. And then like the fun stuff is like something else. Yeah. Um, and I really just, it's my fault because I really just didn't spend enough time thinking about it. Um, so I was doing that. And then like third, I think third year hit. No, actually it was fourth year. Fourth year I'd um, realized, Hey, I, uh, I don't want to study for, you know, MCATs. Or, um, or actually, I think I was like, I think I switched it to like pharmacy at some point because pharmacy was like a little less um, intense. Um, and really like in my heart, I kind of knew that I didn't really want to work in health. And I just didn't, I just didn't think about it. I didn't look at it. I just ignored that until it came to a point where things really started getting real and I like had to actually start, you know, making it happen. And I... Uh, I really, I finally, you know, it, I woke up one day and realized I actually don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
my girlfriend at the time, um, her dad was a pharmacist, so I was kind of like, you know, just shadowing him a little bit, and um, I was doing like volunteering stuff, but like all my, you know, all my friends within my major were starting to study for these tests, starting to really ramp up the volunteering, starting to work on applications and stuff like that, starting to learn about the process. I just didn't want to do it, you know? Mm. Um, so I kind of like, uh, I don't remember exactly what the process was, but um, my girlfriend was like, well, if you're not going to do this, like, go get an internship. And then I looked on the school, um, kind of like inner school board thing and, and found like um, an agency called Census, that's S-E-N-S-I-S in downtown. And they're a like multicultural agency. Um, so they do a lot of like advertising for Hispanic, Asian audiences. And, you know, their clients tend to be like government, uh, you know, uh, insurance companies or like um covered california or stuff like that or mm. california lotto like any any kind of like group that tends to reach out to like minority communities a lot um private universities for instance like they'll they'll work with like census to like produce that kind of stuff so i got an internship there um in strategic planning um and uh i was a strategic planning intern and that was that was my re- my first real kind of like experience and that was like the first the, the last three months of my um you know, my fourth year. After that, I, I, uh, I was allowed to work with them for another three months um, while I stayed, you know, during the summer. And I was subletting an apartment, and then I just... Um, so they extended the internship? They extended the internship, okay. yeah. Um, I mean, while we're on the subject of the internship, um, yeah. this is an area that a lot of students have questions about and a lot of, like, anxiety about. Um, yeah. Do you remember... The interview process of getting that internship, yep, or like your first week, how did you adjust to it? Yeah. Um, okay. So now that I work at Saatchi and I, I've seen the intern, you know, program here, I will say um, at smaller agencies and multicultural agencies are like even smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, the internship experience is a lot less structured. What I mean by that is in the small. Agencies are the biggest. Okay. In the small agencies. Okay. Like, they, uh, you, you basically come in and you find ways to make yourself useful. You have to, like, put in, you, you get, you know, what you put into it. And, um, unfortunately, like, I wasn't one of those really, um, I mean, you could probably, probably already tell now based on everything I've told you about, like, my career, uh, my focus on career up to that point, like I wasn't the type of person that was like, I'm gonna really get this. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn as much as I can and, and pull everything that I need yeah. out of this. So my first internship experience wasn't great, to mm-hmm. be honest, um, because I I came in and um, you know the people there were busy working and they didn't really have like the time to 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 think about what I need to learn what I need to, what, how they can help me grow mm. and how they can help get me experience. And to be honest, like I wasn't the type to ask and demand or ask questions or, or demand that kind of experience either. So it was like in both ways, like I just, I was there, you know, and it was on my resume. Um, but what I will say is the, the, the person that had hired me for the internship um, is somebody that I work with now. At Sachi, oh, yeah. Um, her name is Amaya D'Amico. She was, uh, she's she's awesome. But she gave me like you know she let me get my foot in the door at this agency, mm. um, and then like two weeks later she went to Sachi. Oh. Um, but 
that's also, I think, part of the reason why my internship was extended. Mm. Because we were short on, on people. Now. So when she, um, I think when she had left, it was just like the president of the company who's like strategy, or no, he's not strategy, sorry. The president of the company and then like two kind of like strategy directors that were working above um, Amaya, she left. So it was just two of them and then they actually left too. Mm. So it was just me, this other intern and um, the president being the strategic planning team pretty much. So um, you would think that I would get a lot of um, really hands-on, you know, important experience, but um, I think I, maybe the cycle, maybe we were just in an off cycle or something like that, but I didn't do any of the kind of stuff that I, like I see the interns do uh, at the Saatchi internship, you know what I mean? So my internship experience was pretty weak, but I used that time to um, look for a job, basically. Okay. And pay my rent. Got it. So after after census, I see you went to um, a company called PhD, mm -hmm. and then a company called Initiative, yep. um, and you held a strategist role, and then you went on to be an analyst. Yep. Um, what were your experiences like with PhD and Initiative, and what are those companies? So, um, so actually, so PhD. I mean, uh, PhD is a, a media agency, and it says my role was assistant strategist, but what that basically means is assistant media planner. Okay. So I started in uh, my first job. I started in in media planning, and um, to be honest, like I didn't really the the way departments work together now. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the concept of what media planning was versus creative. Like what I was talking about earlier, when people say media, it means this thing versus like the word media. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, I just happened to have a high school friend that I kept in touch with, and he he got a job in uh, at PhD in San Francisco for the mm. exact same position and okay. they were looking in LA as well and he told me about it um, so he gave me a referral I, I went in and um, you know had an interview with um, a uh, you know with the assistant media uh, with the media planning team um, they took me on and that's actually kind of where uh, you know I I think I learned the most about advertising um, as a start and what I mean by that is like um, there are departments within advertising that are really focused like analytics like creative that stuff and then there's like departments that inherently because they work with other departments you kind of like learn a good amount of stuff so the ones that I consider uh, you know though uh, useful like versatile in that way would be media planning and account Okay. account management mm -hmm. um, media planning because it was at PhD that I um, PhD is a smaller media agency um, the clients that they had there were Hormel like Hormel like meat oh, wow. um, Cunard uh, Cunard which is like a cruise line mm -hmm. and then Mitsubishi Mitsubishi oh, cool. like a smaller automotive company. Did right? you get a chance to work on all of those accounts or were you on specifically one account? I got a chance to work on all of them cool. um because, uh, yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't like it was structured that way. It was just like when, you know, um, I was mostly the cruise line. Um, but, I, you know, I got like chances here or there to like touch other things. And um, in terms of like the role, assistant media planner, like it was there that I, um, that's where I really learned Excel. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously um, media plans are, you know, tracked within large documents um for instance like when you 
you know, when you run a campaign, you have, uh, you set up deals with, you know, 10, 15 partners, and they, uh, that'll track, like, you know, your flighting for it, your, how much inventory you're buying, how much it costs, like, what is the, uh, what kind of placement it is, so whether you're buying, like, something on their homepage, whether it's a partner that's, like, so for, let's talk about QNR Cruises, right, so if you're talking about Cruise Line, you're probably working with travel publications, right, usually you'll, you'll be working with, um, trying to look for, you know, high traffic inventory or high quality inventory to place your ads on. Um, you'll want to work with a bunch of different kinds of publications. Um, but then you also have like a targeting aspect where uh, there will be a partner that will specifically look for people that have been searching for, for travel, right? Yeah. And uh, um, somebody that like uh, browses a, a specific, you know, um, has a specific behavior that suggests that they're currently looking into vacationing. Mm-hmm. Um, companies that target, you know, wherever they go on the internet and buy ad space from whatever site that they're on mm-hmm. in order for you to, um, I'm talking about programmatic media to that. So, um, that's, that's kind of like a big part of, um, you know, advertising right now is like just digital targeting, et cetera. But basically the idea is that like you can, uh, you can look for people, you can buy ad space, not necessarily from specific partners, mm-hmm. but from these partners that um, collect all of the um, remnant inventory from, let's say, you know, Pandora or Yahoo doesn't sell all of their ad space. They will usually put some of it up to um, a bid exchange mm-hmm. where tech partners will look for that ad space and compete, um, you know, on these like tiny microtransactions to own that inventory and sell it to you okay. basically. And, um, it happens all real time, but basically they do that so that, um, you know, they can target a specific person through cookies, which I think is a lot harder now. And I apologize. Like, this explanation is not very good. Just, I haven't worked in media planning in a long time, but like, um, you know, if you're browsing a website and you were looking at, you know, vacation stuff before you can be on a different kind of website later. But if that website sold their remnant inventory to an exchange, like a bid exchange, then a partner that was targeting what you did earlier and can still target you on that website can have the client's ads show up on you know the subsequent website. Does yeah, that make I mean, sense? I'm, I'm very familiar yeah. with that. That happens okay. to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've always I've, wondered I've, how that works. I, yeah, yeah, that's that's um, that's the gist of it. I mean, there's a lot of and there's a lot of different ways that you can, um, like the the advertising tech sales business is a wild west there's a bunch of different ways that you can do it i mean some of them will look for um you know your uh your cookie specifically some of them will do like retargeting for instance like that's what you're probably talking about is if you you know if you go on you know uh if you go on toyota for instance right you're probably going to see toyota ads later because you were tracked on their website and then they uh, there are partners that use that information to, to look for you wherever you were at later. Um, there's yeah. a, um, but because of that, uh, there's also partners that can, um, let's say we're talking about travel, for instance, there's partners that have a bunch of, you know, different inventory within across a, a bunch of different partners um, that will have that targeting layer on it, but it'll be focused on travel, for instance, or yeah. an interest such as like camping or sailing or like whatever it is and, and offer you inventory, hopefully 
to an article that's related to that. So let's yeah. say if you if you have an article for like, uh, you know, like if you if Wired sells their remnant inventory, for instance, like um, that'll be grouped under a tech bucket for a programmatic partner that um, you know for Toyota, for instance, would be like oh, like Toyota wants they have a you know a, a new car with lots and lots of you know infotainment features we really care about the tech aspect of this car so that needs to be a focus so part of the recommendation from the media planning team would be hey like by you know we're working with this partner and they're offering you know tech contextual targeting placements mm -hmm. so there's like you know the way you spend money isn't just like oh we're picking these people there's like a lot of different ways that you know um that they're spending this money and that's kind of like where the media part of it um, is like op really optimized. So there's a lot of layers to it yeah. in terms of like how you can get something to perform. And um, because of that, like the analytics part is like really, when I was talking about earlier, analytics being really attached to media, it's mm -hmm. because there's a lot of data and things to look at there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and how it performs and, and stuff like that. So um, within a media plan, like they'll rep they'll usually suggest like something high impact awareness part of it like a certain amount of budget will go to that a certain amount of budget will go into looking for specific targeting for like you know the specific people you're talking about some of it will go into just being like kind of like filler inventory to like round out and give you like more coverage you know what i mean so like your media plan will have like all these different purposes um and figuring uh how that should work and and you know developing the rationale for that is really the, the purpose of the media team so uh when i started at phd that's where i got that kind of experience that's oh. where i got experience kind of and it was because it was a small agency that i was also doing the reporting there that's where i learned uh double click which is like the the system uh google's product that basically um you know is like integral to like every campaign pretty much but um, that's where you pull reporting from. That's also where you put creative on. That's where you keep track of your um, your contracts with your your partners and stuff mm. like that. Um, that's also where uh, PhD is also where I, you know, met. Uh, I was dealing with salespeople a lot. I was getting like wined and dined for, um, you know, getting me to spend money with them. And uh, that's where I was introduced to like a lot of. Um, I met a lot of people networking wise, um, and meet is really just where I learned how it's where i learned why advertising exists mm. does that make sense yeah, yeah like advertising as a as an industry is like a really weird thing because no one just decided like hey let's make the advertising industry you know what i mean it it really pulled itself into existence mm -hmm. it just fills these holes like okay like i got the service i want to offer it up um i'm gonna let you know people buy ad space on here so I can get money and keep that service running. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a very capital, uh, capitalistic thing. Yeah. Right. So, um, it wasn't, and maybe again, I feel like I'm saying this stuff and I, I think people know this and I'm just thinking way too hard about something that's actually very intuitive. Uh -huh. Right. But like, I never understood why radio stations needed to have commercials yeah i was like dude why don't you just let me listen to the damn music mm. and then like it wasn't until i started working in advertising with like pandora and all these companies so i was just like when i realized oh the radio station can't exist if i don't listen to the ads exactly you know what i mean yeah. like that kind of like um that kind of relationship wasn't something that made sense to me and it might just be me <laughs> because i didn't think about it but that's where i really gained an appreciation for 
how the whole industry works together. Yeah, it's definitely I mean? not just you. I think the average person um, hates when the commercials come on. They get up and go to the restroom, or yeah. they get up and get something to eat. Like yeah. they, they don't. They, they, they think it's pointless. Like, why, yeah. why do we have to sit through this? Yep. So, yeah, it's not just you. It was definitely me for a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. But, uh, there, and um, that's how, what I've realized is, like, everything within the industry, um, whether that's, like, new technology popping up. Uh, so, let's say, for instance, you have these tech partners, right, that are buying, you know, lots and lots of bulk inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, because you're not actually managing what sites you're on specifically. Like if I buy, uh, if the media team buys, you know, runs a campaign with Pandora, they know it's going to be on Pandora. But if you work with a tech partner, you don't know if your 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 stuff is going to show up on like you know uh, like shady websites or stuff yeah. like that. Uh, they would show up on you know lots of like streaming websites or like um, you know very very like hard to find places, and you wouldn't really have any proof. So because of that a whole industry of um, ad safety tech companies popped up mm. that would track and, and, and you would pay them to tack onto your campaigns and they would track the partners that you were running and where the placements that you, uh, the, the ad space that you had bought, where that was showing up. You know what I mean? And mm. it was because of that. Um, it was because ad tech became a thing that ad safety tech, uh, ad, you know, ad safety tech became a thing. So everything... Uh, within the industry kind of just comes and just fills the container that it, it uh, it's in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, where there's a need, it uh, it just shows up. And that's the same for departments too. Account, creative, project management, all those things. Every department exists to you know help with something else. There's nothing within, and maybe this is just how everything is for us, but like there's nothing that exists that doesn't need to be there and if it doesn't need to be there it's not going to exist for very long yeah you know got it um sorry i i i spent a long time with that question but basically it was there that i learned a lot and then i realized that i didn't like we're dealing with salespeople that much i didn't like media planning that much i liked reporting though and i liked the numbers part of it and i liked um excel and stuff like that so i decided to jump over to um analytics and my roommate at the time he um was also a he was a he was a media planner at Initiative. Initiative was a media agency, another media agency that had Hyundai as their client, and they were looking for an analyst. So he got me a job there. Basically, I mean, I came in and I interviewed. I told them about how I worked on Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, told them my experience with Excel. I I let them know like you know what I knew about and all everything that I learned from media planning was context again that helped me do what I was doing in analytics. I didn't train for analytics. I did a lot of the stuff that is necessary in order for you to work in analytics, right? And then I ended up kind of transitioning to that. So um, that was that. And then um, after that initiative lost the Hyundai business. um, Mm. And at the time... Were you there for that? I was there for that. Yep. Uh, It was one day they they called called a meeting, like a town hall meeting. And um, the... You know, it's funny, I was already there for like about a year and I think four months already, so I was kind of burnt out and I, I didn't really want to work there anymore. So I didn't really care when they, when they said it, yeah. you know, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to lose my job. And so it was like, oh, now I can finally do something else. Yeah. Um, and while I was there, um, uh, my group director at, at Saatchi now, he had a um, he 
he had a coworker there that ended up going to initiative a while back and she uh, he reached out to her and, and asked her if he if she knew any um, analysts because uh, they were hiring um, and if she knew anybody that she thinks would be a good fit mm. right because he I think he also knew that like hey like Hyundai like uh, initiative just lost the Hyundai business so there might be some people looking for some work there so she was like yeah I know this guy he uh, I've been in meetings with him he's really really outspoken he's really uh there's a, there's a stereotype about analysts um, within analytics team just being like really numbers focused people. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about working on the CAA teams at Saatchi is it's really, a, it, there's a huge political, not political, that, that makes it sound bad, but there's a huge part of it that requires you to be able to work well with other people in order for you to get what you want. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't just, it, and this is the way it should be in my opinion for um, anybody working with analytics, but like you can't just have you can't just be good at numbers. You, you really, in order for you to have business impact, you have to know what you're talking about through you know, the analysis that you do, and then you have to sell it, and you have to con- persuade everybody that this is what you see, this is important, you know, these are the changes that you recommend, and et cetera. Um, at Initiative, part of the reason why I was like, really unhappy is because like, they, they had an analytics team, but it was really in a silo, like the, the bigger bosses there, they had an analytics team to say they had an analytics team, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we did the stuff, but what we were reporting on didn't really change anything. What we shared wasn't really used to change something else, you okay. know what I mean? So um, it was pointless and uh, they didn't really want to listen. But I mean, to be fair, the people on my team also like weren't the type that would, you know, properly express you know their their point of view okay in a way okay you get what i'm saying i do i get it yeah so that's how um so i got a a call from you know my current boss now and i just he was about to go on paternity leave so um but i talked to him and he uh you know we chatted about like my experience here i told him about everything i do and i kind of just gave him like the gist of like what i believe is you know important and he's like that's exactly what i believe is important perfect and i'm gonna go on paternity leave but i'm gonna set you up with the interview and I mean, I hope I did really good on the interview. I hope what I, I really hope it wasn't like he decided he wanted to hire me already, and then like when I went in the interview, he was just like, "It doesn't matter. Like, just nice. take this guy." You know what I mean? Like, um, but that's how that's how I met Sachi. Yeah. So, what was the interview process like? Like from that from the phone call on, how long was it before you started, and what, oh, what steps did you have to go through? Yeah. Um, you know what? Every process has been pretty similar for me. I mean, um, I would have a phone call in the beginning with either an HR person or the hiring manager um, to talk about the role, to, you know, quickly get out whether I was interested, whether I was qualified or not in general, like just, you know, on paper, mm-hmm. and then um, set up a in-person interview. And for Saatchi, um, basically, as I said, I talked to Jerry, who's the group director. We had a good conversation. He, uh, he told the HR department about me and they reached out and they set up an interview with Carrie who's like the the director on my team and she's like she's also really great um and she's my boss now and uh I interviewed with her uh that was it I mean after that uh I got a call from the HR team and they're like hey like 
we want to take you. This is our offer. How much, you know, and then the negotiation yeah, after yeah. that. So really straightforward. Cool. Um, and that's how it's been for every every place okay. for me. Um, so on terms of on earlier we spoke about your your internship. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to jump back to the, yeah, the subject yeah. of internship. I feel like we're jumping around a lot. So. Nah, but it's yeah. good. It's okay. good. All right. Um, I kind of want to like just revisit that, um, but just in a different um, aspect, like. At Sachi and Sachi, when you work with interns now, um, what type of stuff do they usually um, work on? Like, what do they do? Mm. If, if you've had any working under you, or yeah. if not, just ones that you've dealt with. Yeah. Um, dude, the intern thing is really hard. Um, I We've had a few interns, and I think at the time that we had them, I wasn't quite high enough to, like... You know, decide what they do, but I did have them help me with stuff here and there. But it's a little hard for analytics because, like I said before, context. What I end up, you know, what I ended up being able to give them was really just busy work. You know, what I mean, they can't really, they can't really do my report for me. So I try to find ways to like give them something to do, um, but it wouldn't be developing their whole thing that much. You know what I mean? So um, that was uh, that was a bit of a letdown, but. It also wasn't quite my responsibility either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I did work with like strategy interns, for instance, and they, the strategy internship uh, program is a lot, <laughs> is a lot better because yeah. they, they would have the interns, um, you know, uh, if they were doing like focus groups, for instance, or, or doing um, ethnographies, which are like, I'm scared to say that because I don't actually know if I know what it is technically, but basically you go in and you interview people sometimes on the phone, sometimes in person, um, and you ask them a bunch of questions about you know certain behaviors, and, and you uh, you do this for a good amount of people, and you get down to like you start profiling like um, you know specific um, consumers for whatever campaign that you're working on. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Honestly, anybody that's <laughs> saying like if that's like not true, like that's I, I'm just putting that out there, right? Yeah. But from, um, from what you understand, yeah, yeah, from what I understand. But there would be a lot of, um, you know, there'd be a lot of footage, for instance, right? And like the interns would get to sit down and listen to all of that, maybe hours of information, and distill it into, you know, their findings and stuff. Summarize it for, you know, the actual planners and stuff. Then they'd probably get help. Uh, they'd get to help with doing research, whether that's like online. Um, they would maybe get to help working on like formatting decks and stuff like that. I mean, at the same time, like during that whole process, like the strategy team will be teaching them about like why they do certain things, like um, what's a you know a good um, methodology for for strategy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, no, but they, they their their work is a lot more hands on. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and it's part of. Uh, because you know, trying to understand the consumer is a much more intuitive thing than like, um, you know, if you if you want to be an analyst, like you got to know certain tools, you got to have like a certain amount of like um, technicality with stuff, and uh, it's that ends up being a hurdle for somebody that hasn't had that kind of experience before. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that answered your question. Um, yeah, actually, okay, it did. For, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, I got to get to this question. Yeah. Um, just as a, as a minority in the industry, mm. um, have you faced any challenges or like situations that made you uncomfortable? Um, if so, like how did you deal with it? Or if not, um, we can skip it. Not just, if not I just did, in your current position, yeah, just yeah. in general. Like yeah, you don't have yeah. to name drop or say yeah, yeah, no, anything no, no. specific. Um, but. If I did, I didn't realize it. Uh-huh. I think... Um, 
and uh, I mean, I've never been. I'm trying to think how that could happen, and I think I've never been kept from any opportunities that um, you know I felt were a result of you know my my ethnicity or anything like that. Um, and maybe it doesn't help that like I work in a numbers focused department mm. and I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm Asian. So like that, that could be part of it. But, uh, I mean, honestly, no, like I, I don't think I have, um, and it might have to do with the, in general, like advertising is a, because it's so current and it's focused on like trends, like it, it tends to be, it, uh, advertising now is like pretty young. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that go into it are pretty young, progressive and stuff. And, um, of all, you know, different, um, you know, cultural groups. So there doesn't tend to be that kind of, um, you know, that kind of dynamic there, at least from what I can tell. Um, and I say that because again, like the work that I do doesn't really expose me to that kind of relationship. I, I will say though, for instance, like, um, companies are constantly, uh, you know, trying to reach out to minority groups more and more, especially like Hispanics. So Toyota, uh, besides Saatchi, that uh, Toyota also has like, works with three other agencies, um, Coneal, Burrell, and uh, Intertrend slash Resonate, um, that's split up like media and creative, but um, for Hispanic, African American, and Asian American audiences. Mm. And when, uh, and Saatchi's like the biggest group, and uh, Sachi's considered covering what's called TCM, which is like the transcultural mainstream. So it's not really based on your ethnicity per se. It's more about how, um, you know, how close you are to a, the, the, the mainstream culture. So TCM mm -hmm. will include very, very Americanized Hispanics, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, right? Okay. Um, that'll be like, uh, if you could imagine like a, a Venn diagram, it'd be like TCM and then like circles of like ethnicities will be in there and like portions of them will, will um, be very uh, high acculturated groups. And then those that are like more um, minority centric, for instance, like um, native Spanish speakers that, um, you know, uh, watch Univision or Telemundo a lot. Um, uh, African-American, like uh, I think it's called... Um, highly Afrocentric African-Americans that, um, I mean, will obviously, like, consume media just like everybody else, but will also be focused on, like, uh, like, BET, um, BOSIP, like, those, those kinds of, uh, you know, that kind of, like, digital um, yeah. focus, and then, like, Asian-Americans, which um, is kind of like an umbrella of, like, a bunch of, like, uh, Korean, Chinese, Vietnamese, like, groups, for mm -hmm. instance, um, that'll be covered there. But um, what I will say is, like, more and more, we're trying to work on these campaigns together, um, because, you know, uh, by the way, the CAA team reports all of those things. So it's called T2, like that's Toyota's, like, I think, kind of like all the audiences together. But um, I also work with the analysts from each of those agencies. So when I put together a CAA report, um, I cover their stuff as well. So when mm -hmm. I'm talking about how a campaign did, I'm not just talking about transcultural mainstream. It'll also include, like, well, how did it do among Hispanics, African Americans, Asian Americans, all together. Right? But um, in, in creating ideas and, and ideating campaigns, um, I think that there are, um, there's, 
obviously when you have a lot of people, it's hard to get to a cohesive idea that is not only unified, but also represents the, uh, will resonate with specific minority audiences, but still fall within the same idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, and it varies by vehicle too, because for instance, like certain vehicles are popular with one group or the other. For instance, like the, the CHR, for instance, is really popular among Hispanics, right? Um, and, uh, I think that if there are those kinds of challenges with minorities, it tends to be in, in, in uh, not necessarily like a specific person being held from a opportunity per se, but it's about getting what they, in their world, what they believe is like the most important thing represented, you know, fully and uh, will perform well in, okay. in their opinion. Uh, within the campaign. So there are like racial dynamics there, but it tends to be about work, not Got necessarily it. by person. Um, if there is a kind of a, a gap, I will talk about, I think there is a, there is a gap between, um, it's, a, it's an age gap. So older um, creatives, directors, people that are working in advertising from the time when it was just broadcast, digital wasn't you know blown up the way it is now, mm -hmm. um, and the way that they understand advertising, the way that they want to make stuff, the things that they think will, will resonate with people, the things that they think will perform well, um, that, ki you know, that kind of dynamic uh, against like a younger uh, audience, a younger consumer, um, them needing to understand what you know, yeah. uh, people that are actually buying cars nowadays care about, for mm -hmm. instance, like, um, that kind of thing does exist. Okay. And, um, and even at, at, at Toyota too, um, you know, Toyota's Japanese company, um, within Japanese companies, people stay for a long time, you know what I mean? And a lot of times it's hard for them to sign on with something that they think is too risque, but like in the context of like people nowadays, it's like nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that, that kind of, um, that kind of dynamic is there. And, um, if, uh, I can see that being a thing for, you know, let's say you work on a team and the, the hiring manager is somebody that like doesn't quite, uh, you know, get why you, why you are the way you are, like why you, um, think the way you do or like why, why you want to it, does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble explaining, but like, um, let's say you work on creative, right? And you show your portfolio and it doesn't make sense to somebody that doesn't know what it's like now. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't work in creative, <laughs> but, um, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a racial thing. Um, yeah. uh, that tends to be what it is. Otherwise, like advertising is a, uh, since it is very visible and stuff like that, like, um, people are generally like really, really cool, cool. With, with each other. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one more question. Um, so you've been in the, the ad industry for a number of years. Yep. You've held different positions, um, work with different companies. Yep. So given all that you've learned um, in your professional career, if you could go back and tell your college self something, um, some words of advice, what, what, would, yeah. you, what would you say? Um, I mean, I think I kind of touched on that earlier, uh -huh. right? Which was like, you really got to think about what you want to do. And, um, I mean, part of it is part of it was a, like a me problem, but I'm sure there are other people like me as well, where, um, you know, honestly, I didn't have like the, 
I, I wasn't, I wasn't raised to want something and then be willing to put in whatever it takes to get that thing mm -hmm. and only want that thing. Um, and I think really, if I were to go back, I would, it, with the perspective that I had now, you know, I would think really hard about what I wanted to study, for instance, as a major. Mm -hmm. um, I would have, you know, really gotten the most out of like my education there. And it, it's great when you are a, you know, young student and you know what you want to learn because you think that that's interesting and you just go into that. But for anybody that goes into college and would rather, you know, do the fun stuff and doesn't consider what they're studying the fun stuff as well, um, I would seriously recommend thinking really hard about what you actually want to study. Okay. Um, and I would do that going way back. Not even just like college, I mean like just back to like high school and stuff because mm -hmm. I actually really like math and numbers. I don't know why I didn't, you know, get a degree in mathematics. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, that was part of it. Uh, the other advice I would give is like in terms of, you know, getting a job, um, I know a lot of students, I, it's either like somebody that doesn't know what they want to do and is really desperate for whatever they can get, or somebody that has such a strong idea of where they want to go that they're not open to what they're getting out of anything else and they won't settle for, you know, I heard somebody give advice that was like, you know, submit as many, you know, applications, get as many interviews as you can, don't settle for, um, you know, don't settle for mediocre, mediocrity, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, you know, if you, if you want to be like a creative director, for instance, like you, you got to go for that necessarily. And um, from what I've explained my trajectory to where I'm at now, every single thing that I, every single role that I held was instrumental to me doing the next thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what I learned in media planning helped me in analytics. Mm -hmm. What I did in analytics in terms of media analytics, help me what help me with what I'm doing now in creative analytics. And all along that time, I was building up an understanding of the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was all those things really building on each other. And if you at if you'd asked me back then if I could see the relationship between media planning and what I'm doing now, I wouldn't have been able to see it. You know what I mean? Like if I if somebody were to tell me you're destined to be an, a manager at Sachi and Sachi in the analytics team, I'd be like oh, I should probably stop what I'm doing here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, it's, it's never just the technical thing that you're learning that's important. Like the soft skills are super important. And you get those soft skills no matter what you're doing. You know what I mean? And, and it's really important to pay attention to that. Um, because I think that people don't, people underestimate how much that helps. Yeah. Um, what they're what whatever they end up wanting to do you know what I mean like if you if you if you want to be a marketing client if you um, most people will say okay I want to be a client I'm going to go get an MBA and uh, I'm just going to go work at you know uh, Nike and I'm going to tell these agencies what I like what I don't like and they're going to you know what I mean but I guarantee you that a marketing client that worked at the agency did strategic planning or was like a did analytics for instance would be better equipped to ask questions make decisions about those things because they know specifically what they're talking about what they're given decisions on yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so like um 
as long as like obviously like you can't work in advertising and hope that that helps you become a doctor right but like um, in general if you're like in that same area like I I would highly recommend um, myself back then and um, anybody now to really really pay attention to their surroundings see how they fit into their department see how their department fits into their company see how their company fits into the industry mm. you know what I mean because having that uh, big picture context on everything that you're doing really, really might not seem important, but really changes how you do things. And I think that's super important, okay. you know? Um, so if anybody is, uh, you know, I know a few people that, you know, wanted to be in strategic planning, but could only work in media planning. And I was like, dude, like media planning is great. You don't have to stay there forever and you get all these other skills. It's like, uh, there was an intern that was at Saatchi and she, um, I think there were like three strategic planning interns. Only one of them was like kept on. Um, the other two had to like figure it out and they, they found um, media planning roles and, and one of them was happy with it. The other one was like, oh, I really want to be in strategy. And I was trying to convince her like, it's not how you should be thinking. Like you're thinking too short term about this. Mm. If you really want to work in advertising, like, you, you should be thinking about the long run here. Like what is like the, the, the where's your stretch going to be in like 10 years? And I guarantee you like what you're doing in media planning is going to help you with yeah, that stuff. Definitely. You know, like that's, that's the most important part, I think. Um, and aside from that, I mean, uh, I mean, this is, uh, again, perspective that I have now, but like um, when I was, uh, when I was like interviewing and stuff like that, um, you know, a lot of students nowadays, they tend to think, okay, um, it's that conundrum that's like, oh, I need experience to get this job, but I need a job to get this experience. Like, I'm having such a hard time. And honestly, like, um, I didn't know... I didn't have any media planning experience when I interviewed, but I got the job because I knew what... Like, I knew... Uh, like the things that the things that I was talking about, the the skills I was demonstrating, made them pretty confident that I would be able to pick things up. Nobody expects you to have the experience necessarily. At least for media planning, like nobody's gonna be like, hey, like you gotta have planned a campaign already or anything like that. But if you know what you're talking about, and again, this is where that context really helps because if you know what department, what the department does. Um, what what makes somebody what's important for somebody that wants to work in that department mm -hmm. like for media planning it's like be, it's a uh, really fast paced so um being willing to put in a lot of hours being really good at uh communicating you know really efficiently through email being some you know some level of numbers focused being okay with doing client presentations like that sort of stuff. if you know that those are the things that the media planner does and you know that these are the qualities that are important for an applicant for a candidate and you talk about those things, there's no way, like, they're, you know, they're not gonna, unless there's somebody better that has that experience, like, there's no way they're not gonna be like, oh, you don't have the experience. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's more important to know what you're getting yourself into than it is to having done it, you know? And I think a lot of times, I've, um, I said before, like, I've taken a lot of meetings with, col uh, with college students that are a little bit lost, like, kind of don't really know what they wanna do, and they come to me for advice, and like, some of them come up and they say, like, oh, I've always wanted to work in analytics, but what is analytics? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, that's like a common... That's kind of the reason why I started the podcast is because a lot of people have that mentality where they 
they have a, a general understanding of something and they, they, they're pursuing that or they, they think they want to pursue that, but they really don't know exactly what it is. They don't know what it is. It's yeah. like this concept that's like foreign to them. And I understand because like when I was, um, I guess the other piece of advice I would give myself is like when I was young, I mean, I, I really stressed out about whether I could, you know, join the real world, whether, you know, being a physiology major was going to keep me from working in advertising for some reason. Like, um, it, it, before you, I mean, it's like, how do you describe water to somebody that's never touched it? Right. It's like, it's hard to understand how important or not important something is, how much it plays a role in what you want to do, for instance, um, and what it's actually like until you actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I spent so much time worrying about whether I was able, whether I was good enough to join the real world. And now I realize, dude, it's not even like a question. You know what I mean? Like you just, you just do it. Yeah. And, uh, I wish I didn't spend so much time worrying about that. And Mm -hmm. again, I wish I spent more time just thinking about what do you want to do? What do you find really interesting? You know? Um, so that, that's like the key thing. So if you, if you say that you want to, you know, if you're somebody that says you want to work in creative, you want to work in media, analytics, whatever field, gotta know what you're, you really, really gotta do your homework and figure out if that really what you want to do and do you really know what you're talking about? Because mm-hmm. that's what's really going to help you in an interview setting when push comes to shove and you need to show that, you know, you're a, you're a good, you're, you're a good bet. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's my, that's my advice. And, and there's, no excuse now for for um, anybody that you know needs stuff like handed to them because there's so many resources out yeah. there. Like I, um, I've met again. Like I've met with a lot of students, and I really help the ones. I really like talking to the ones that did that stuff already, so that they could come to me with questions about what they should do next. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I would still talk to everybody, but like the ones that are like, uh, I'm not able to help the ones that are like, what's the first thing I should do to get a job? You know what I mean? And I, I think, okay, well, you should Google some stuff. You know what I mean? I can't tell them like, they, they don't, they can't have like the, the, the informed questions for me that will let me, you know, help them get to where they want to yeah. be. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause they yeah. didn't do that kind of like searching that self searching first. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that, I mean, that part is like super crucial because like, that's, that's what'll keep you from wasting your time necessarily. And I was, I mean, I was lucky because, uh, maybe I just, maybe I'm just like a, you know, optimistic person, but I kind of just like, I did, I guess what I realized is the decisions that I made career wise were to avoid certain things instead of going towards something. I was just running away from one thing and then realizing I didn't like this one thing, I ran away to another thing. But it just so happens that where I'm at now from all, like, all those steps is a really good place. Yeah. And uh, has taught me a lot. Yeah. Um, if I were to go back and start all over again and have the mentality of like, what do you want? What do you want to do? What is it going to take for you to get there? I don't know that I would be in the same place. Yeah. But I don't regret what I'm doing now, obviously. So... That's a, that was a really good answer, um, and I think that's a great way to, to finish the interview. Um, I want to thank you again for taking the time to sit yeah. down and meet with me. Yeah, thank you. Um, is there any way people, if any students wanted to reach out to you for advice, um, is there any, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, you can search for me on LinkedIn. My name is Andrew 
Andrew Huynh, that's H-U-Y-N-H, just search Andrew Huynh Saatchi, C, uh, Central Agency Analytics, just add me. Um, shoot me a message and then uh, we can go from there. Um, I also realized I didn't really talk that much about like how creative analytics works, but like I, I, I honestly think that's like a whole nother mm-hmm. conversation. Um, so I think career wise, like this is uh, probably much more important and relevant anyway. Okay. But uh, maybe again, we can sit down again sometime in the future. Yeah, maybe yeah, in the yeah. future I can I can really get into like the thinking behind like you know specific camp. I could get in the weeds about like what I how I evaluate things or like what my takeaway is when I see certain things. Um, or if any of you like want to work in analytics, like you can just reach out to me and, and we can we can talk about it there. And I'm still learning every day too, Perfect. honestly. So um, yeah, but this is really cool. All right, man. Thank so, you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.